Welcome into the show. I'm Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. It's a Wednesday and another day as we wait for sports here on 101 ESPN. However, there was a little sports being played in the world in the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization. Did you happen to see it? It was baseball, but it was without fans in the stands and some players wearing masks. The umpires wearing masks, but it was baseball. It was an event in which we didn't know the outcome of the game. What would you think of it? A little odd watching it, but then you got into it and you said, okay, it's baseball. Is this the style of how they play, and is it feasible in the United States? You can bet that every sports league right now is watching closely how they have approached this situation with their league. Players and coaches, they go through fever screenings before entering stadiums. The umpires... The first and third base coaches, they have to wear masks during games. No questions asked. Players can't high-five teammates. They don't sign autographs. The KBO, by the way, is planning to have a 144-game schedule. That would be their normal full-season schedule. If any player tests positive for the virus, though, the league shuts down for at least three weeks. Folks, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't great, but it was baseball. The Cardinals have made a little news whose voting has been completed now for their 2020 class of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. The voting was extended this year because of the pandemic, and Brian Finch runs the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum, and the numbers were huge this season. Absolutely. It's been a great year for um, Cardinals fans to get involved with the Hall of Fame vote for 2020, and we've had an overwhelming turnout. Uh, We know fans want baseball back. We want Cardinals baseball back, and... uh, we were so excited to um, have this campaign to continue um, to give something for fans to be involved with uh, during the time that we don't have Cardinals baseball. And we're looking forward to um, having these votes tallied and to have a big announcement in the, the coming days and weeks here. Yeah. How, how close, Brian, are you to, to making that announcement of the, the two newest members of the Cardinals Hall of Fame, whomever they may be? Well, we anticipate... Uh, a Hall of Fame announcement show, just like we've done in previous years, that would be aired on Fox Sports Midwest. We hope to have uh, the details on that finalized within the next uh, few days here, and that that show would air within the coming weeks here, uh, hopefully during the month of May, and uh, something that we look forward to. And, of course, you've hosted that show in the past for us, and uh, we're looking forward to a great show as well. Uh, this year that would be no different than than years past. You're intimately involved with the museum and the Hall of Fame. What is going on right now with ways to keep fans uh, engaged with the club, with the museum and the Hall of Fame? Well, it's been an interesting time. Of course, our doors are closed to the public with um, the coronavirus pandemic, but it's been a neat way to share our stories in a virtual, uh, a virtual light, a virtual way. So we have been engaging with our fans uh, through social media. So if you were to go online on uh, Facebook or Instagram, at Cardinals Nation, you can search at Cardinals Nation on both of those platforms, Facebook or or Instagram. Uh, We are putting out content on a daily basis. So whether it's short videos, um, we've had some of your great calls, Dan, and uh, remembering some of those great uh, those moments in Cardinals, uh, you know, past from great games, or looking at some of the artifacts in our collection and telling those stories behind the artifacts. You know, the Cardinals, uh, we repeat this often, but it's amazing how many fans still don't know this. The Cardinals have the largest privately held single team focused collection in the world of baseball memorabilia. We have over 24,000 artifacts 
And so it's, this is a really uh, unique time for us to be able to tell some of those stories behind specific artifacts. Uh, I know we just posted a video that I had done uh, before this um, all came about talking about the the silver tea set that Bob Forsh was given uh, after his second no-hitter by team owner Gusty Bush. And that's just something you don't see much anymore. We've got it on display in the museum currently. Of course, again, the museum's closed. But uh, just the story behind that. And, you know, back in the all the way from the 40s, you know, 30s and 40s, all the way through the 1980s, when a player would do something remarkable, um, they might get a set of silver or, or something along those lines. And what a neat piece uh, from his career as the only Cardinals pitcher with two no-hitters and to get it from the team owner. It's a pretty special um, artifact and, and collection that we have in the Cardinals Museum. Best place for fans to, to find some of your work. Where is it? Well, of course, again, online at Facebook um, or Instagram. Search at Cardinals Nation. They can find that online. And uh, we're still doing a lot with our membership right now. And not to make a big sales push, I know uh, folks with, with the economy right now and jobs and stuff, but we're doing special things for our members. Uh, we're doing um, you know special presentations and webinars online. I just gave a special uh, one-hour lunchtime presentation about the 1944 World Series for our members on Monday. Uh, we're doing some player interviews with our membership as well. So if you want to get involved that way, you can definitely purchase a membership. That's at cardinal.com slash museum. Uh, but again, uh, engage with us through social media. We're, we're putting out stuff daily, and uh, we've got some fun things going on there. Well, as we've talked about in the past few weeks, the situation not only has had a major impact on all the major sports and Major League Baseball, but also on the minor leagues. Will there be a minor league season? That is a huge question for baseball. And I spoke this morning to Brian Walton of TheCardinalNation.com. His specialty is covering the minor leagues. Well, there's no doubt that everybody's priority right now is on trying to figure out how to get the major leaguers back as soon as possible, but as safe as possible. And while there's a lot of optimism around the game, you know, there's also the thorny questions of testing and, you know, keeping people safe haven't been worked out yet. And once that does get resolved and there's a plan that can be executed, I think attention will go to the minor leagues. And, the most logical scenario right now would have uh, teams assembling in their spring training locations and have some type of a season that would be kind of like a spring training or extended spring training where maybe you're scrimmaging against yourself, maybe you're scrimmaging against teams in the local areas. But I think the one thing that folks do seem to be pretty well uh, accepting is that the ability to play in 160 different towns across the U.S., this summer for minor league baseball just you know isn't likely and if there are no fans in the stadiums then there's no re there's no incentive for the minor league minor league teams to be a business because you know selling tickets and concessions are, are their you know total revenue stream so you know if they can accomplish anything for minor league ball it seems like it's going to be most likely it'll be something in the you know the jupiters of the world how are minor league players trying to stay in shape during uh, what has been such a difficult time for any pro athlete right now well, the Cardinals are doing a great job of keeping in touch with everyone, as probably all organizations are, and they have uh, plans for each of them to work on the, the uh, performance uh, organization under Dr. Butler and the strength and conditioning folks. You know, have plans with each player, and they've had to customize them because, um, you know, nobody can get into gyms right now, for example, and, and to, you know, health clubs, at least in most of the country. And, you know, some guys have may have access to batting, practice, uh, batting uh, cages, and others may not. Uh, some guys may just, you know, be able to do long toss. And, you know, some can have batters step in. They can pitch against live competition. Other guys can't. So, 
you know, everybody's a little bit different in terms of what they have to work with, where they are. But, of course, the idea, and, and we've heard both John Mazalock and, and Mike Schultz say this, the idea is to kind of have everybody in a January kind of level of preparation where they've started to ramp up, but, they're, you know, the pitchers aren't throwing at full velocity yet, that kind of thing, because, you know, they want to save bullets and, and ramp them up whenever spring training two is able to start. Now, you'd have to think that the Cardinals would be in good shape with their pitching, and some of those pitchers are, are coming back from injury. Andrew Miller, Miles Michaelis, most notable. But what about Jordan Hicks? It could be a major factor for the Cardinals coming off of Tommy John surgery when baseball returns. And I'll talk it over with Jason Isringhausen about Jordan. Jason, by the way, had three Tommy Johns. And what it takes to come back from that type of injury. Also, it was about this time last year he was getting a call to the Cardinals Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that. A delayed season could also be a factor for the NBA, clearly, and some of their biggest stars, Kevin Durant. And while the season remains on hold, Nets GM Sean Marks has left the door open that Durant possibly could join the Nets in their stretch run. There will be a live event coming our way in the United States. It'll be televised, and that's in golf. It's a televised event for coronavirus relief involving Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, and Matthew Wolf. That'll be on May 17th. Damon Hack of the Golf Channel. What a wonderful opportunity for our game to be at the tip of the spear of professional sports returning during this era of COVID-19, largely having the stage to itself. Think about the sports fan as a whole. Maybe you're starved for LeBron James, you're missing Aaron Judge, you're anticipating Tom Brady uh, in a a Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey. This is an opportunity for you to watch uh, some stars in golf, to learn about uh, these athletes, uh, a bio like uh, Matthew Wolf, a young star from Oklahoma State, obviously world number one in Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, uh, and also the golf course itself for the golf fan. This is seminal down in Juneau Beach, designed by Donald Ross, opened in 1929, where Ben Hogan used to spend his springs 30 days in a row preparing for the Masters Tournament. So there's history for the golf fan, and there's competition and competitive nature and fun for the sports fan as a whole. The tour wants to reopen on June 11th. Send me a mic drop on some of these topics. The Rhino Shield mic drop. Text in a question. We'll get to a bunch of those later in the show. 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line. And I'll visit with Cardinals Hall of Famer Jason Isringhausen coming up from the Cardinals Hall of Fame. To his role right now at the club, the future of Jordan Hicks. That's next on 101 ESPN. To the best fans in baseball, to the fans of the St. Louis Cardinals, I want you to know that you are truly the best fans in the game. There's nothing like that feeling when the bullpen door opens and 40,000 people are on their feet cheering and maybe sometimes booing. It happens. It comes with the job. It was amazing then and you guys still never disappoint today. Like you, I'm a fan of this great organization. I love the Cardinals. The birds on the bat mean more than just baseball. To me, it means winning. And we've won a lot here. It's a lot of fun. It has meant history. It has meant going to Bush Stadium when I was a kid, cheering on for all my heroes. 
It's meant Clydesdales and backflips. It's meant traditions being handed down from generation to generation. The birds on the bat meant I was home. And that's what I feel today. I'm home. Being here among all of you, it's home. Thank you very much. It's, it's been a wild ride, and I just want to thank everybody so much for being here. Thank you. That was Izzy from the Hall of Fame speech last year, and let's hope we have another Hall of Fame ceremony for the St. Louis Cardinals and their fan base here in 2020. And the Cardinals' all-time leader in saves joins us on 101 ESPN. And Izzy, it's always great to hear your voice, and we're all going through a lot. How, how are you doing? How are you handling everything that's been going on? First, thanks, Danny, for having me on. And now we're just uh, doing the quarantine thing, uh, hanging out with the kids, trying to be a school teacher, and, and failing at it miserably, pretty much. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd want you as a school teacher. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I could handle I, you maybe as a gym coach, but I don't, I don't think I want you teaching any math or anything of substance. I couldn't do fifth grade math when I was in fifth grade, let alone now. <laughs> you know, we, we had some news with Brian Finch earlier in the show just talking about you know, the fact that the announcement for the Hall of Famers will be coming out uh, fairly shortly. We don't know who will be on that list. But take me back to when you got that call from, from Bill DeWitt and, and the family. What, what was that like last year about this time for Jason Isringhausen? Well, we, we kind of played phone tag uh, for a few hours. And I, kind of, I was hoping I knew what it was about. I hope I wasn't getting fired. So, um, <laughs> But uh, Mr. DeWitt got a hold of me, and we talked for a little bit. He congratulated me. So uh, I just, uh, even to this day, just a smile from ear to ear and uh, waiting for that opening day when I get to be part of the ceremonies and be on the cars and stand out there in front with some of my buddies and some of the legends I grew up watching. You know, I, I remember talking with you about that. You said it'd be just amazing to wear that red jacket on opening day. How, how tough was that for you not to have that? Hopefully we have it at some point, but how tough was that for you not to have it this year? Well, I mean, it, to me, I mean, I, jokingly, I was like, well, it's just part of the course for me. You know, it's just one of those things that I feel like my career, you know, the ups and downs, the, the cheers, the booze, and it's just somebody, just somebody higher above putting it off a little bit more for me, making it harder for me to enjoy it. But uh, it's been, you know, it's kind of hard, but not really. I mean, there's people going through so much more. And um, so I'm not real worried about it. When it happens, it'll happen. And but you know what? Hopefully, God willing, I've got another 40 years of uh, being there on opening day in that red coat. Uh, just hopefully I don't have to make it too much bigger throughout those years. <laughs> well, a lot of people in quarantine are starting to pop out of their clothes, so don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, one, one of the guys that, that is going to Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame, unfortunately for him, kind of the same thing, had to wait a long time to go to MLB's Hall of Fame, is your former teammate Larry Walker. When you got the news that Larry was going in, uh, just I know you guys were close. What what did it mean to you to see him finally get the recognition that he so well deserved? Oh, it was um, when we got the final word. I mean, it wasn't that long after that it was finalized that we had our fantasy camp, and then Larry came. Larry comes down to fantasy camp and hangs out with us down in Florida and stuff. He lives down there, and uh, you know the ovation that he got when he showed up at the fantasy camp by all the campers and the ex players, the standing ovations, and uh, you know I got to go up and give him a big hug and congratulate him. And it's just couldn't have to a better guy, you know, um, that day when we're standing there during BP and it flashes up on the board that, that we have traded for Larry Walker. I mean, it's just 
one of those guys that was a, a five-tool player, did everything right, um, did the little things right more than anything. Everybody knew he could hit, but ran the bases, played defense, um, just a all-around great guy. And when we got him, it just made us that much better. Uh, we kind of got the tail end of him because of his neck problems, but, uh, you know, he got there. And to put him in that lineup with, you know, with the guys that we had, it made it an awfully, awfully good lineup. We just ran into a buzzsaw in Boston and uh, couldn't stop their pitching. But uh, for Larry to go into the Hall of Fame, I mean, it's I mean, it's just a long time coming. So deserved and I'm very happy for him. I know uh, being from Canada, I know he's proud of it. So uh, can't wait for the speech. It'll be a great speech. He's such a funny guy and glib and intelligent. It'll be an awesome speech. Um, I'm curious, Izzy, you know, for fans that, that don't know, you're still and from Brighton, Illinois, so you're still in the area. You grew up a Cardinal fan, and you're intimately involved uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals in a role that's in a front office capacity, so to speak, quote-unquote, but really helping the minor league guys. Can you describe what that role is like? And Ryan Ludwig is doing some of this, and some other guys are involved as well. But you specifically, because I've, I've mentioned on the telecast how much you have helped younger players coming through. So tell us a little bit about that role. Well, I mean, it's just I, I'm considered uh, – well, I guess my title is special assistant, uh, roving pitching, pitching instructor. And it's kind of like, uh, they let me make my own schedule. I mainly drive to from, I live here in Edwardsville, Illinois. So I mainly drive to Memphis, Tennessee, Springfield, Missouri, and Peoria, Illinois. And then also go down to Jupiter and be with the, we got a ball team there and a Gulf coast team. But it's really double-A, triple-A, and A-ball in this area that I can get to within four hours. And it's just going in, talking to the pitching coach, seeing what's going on. And um, if a guy's struggling with something, uh, I try to talk to him about it um, as much mental as physical. And um, just trying to get them ready for what's coming next, whether it's the triple-A, getting them ready to what's becoming next, you know, in the big leagues and vice versa, double-A to triple-A and A-ball to double-A. Because once you get to double-A, I mean, it's it's just a simple phone call away and you can be in the big leagues. You've seen it in the past. So it's – I I really enjoy it. I mean, if I can't play, helping these kids get there and then um, watching them succeed in the big leagues. We've had a lot of guys come up the last few years that have done really well. Uh, a lot of pitchers I work with mainly, but I still work with some. Some position players mentally, you know, about like what's 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 to come, what's on and off the field things. Um, but to watch guys succeed, I, you just feel like you have 200 more children. I mean, I have two daughters, but now I've got 200 boys. And it's just uh, – it's been a blessing. It keeps me in the game. It keeps my juices flowing a little bit. Uh, I like the night games because I can golf in the morning in the cities <laughs> I'm at. So, uh, you know, it, other than that, I mean, it's – you know, that year in 2006 when I got hurt in the wheelchairs and I got to watch Adam Wainwright and Tyler Johnson, Randy Flores, uh, Josh Kinney, um, I thought maybe this, you know, that coaching little bug started to spark in my head. You know, I got, when I retired, I worked with SIU Eversville here in Eversville for a couple of years, a couple of years, and then I called Mo and I just said, I want to help. What can I do? And, you know, as Mo would say, he's like, well, how much are you willing to work? And having a young one, I didn't want to work full time. So they, they allowed me to make my own schedule. I normally go on the weekends or in the middle of the week. Depends on what the girls have going on. And with my oldest going to college, 
uh, you know, I'll be uh, trying to schedule my traveling around uh, her volleyball schedule. So, um, you know, I thank the Cardinals for everything they've given me, and they just keep giving back. I mean, they give me opportunity, and, you know, we're not, like Mo says, we're not building portfolios, we're building resumes. And, uh, you know, I don't know, what, I don't know where I go from here, you know? Yeah. Um, my wife and I have talked about it. And I, I just want to stay in the game. And as my youngest, who's in fifth grade, gets a little older, then maybe I might get into it a little bit more. And would I love to run my own pitching staff one day? Yeah. Would I, would I want to do it in A-ball? Maybe not. <laughs> you know, would I love to do it in the big leagues? Yeah. But, you know, you got to start small usually in this game and, and work your way up. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Uh, each year I take on a little bit different role and a little bit more work here and there. So it's been a lot of fun. I know you're trying to really get into at least analytics and understand it because if you can say this is your spin rate on this or this is what your ball is doing, then you can quantify it by saying, now let's look at some video. This is how it all is kind of coming about. We can show you. How much do you get into the analytics, and is it something that you enjoy? Um, I am a fan of it. I think I, I don't. I dive into it a little bit. I'm not like gung-ho like some guys are. Uh, I still I still believe in the eyeball test, but with these analytics, what it is capable of helping us coaches is figuring out who or what a person is quicker. So we'll figure out by watching their their videos, their spin rates, all the stuff that we can get um, hand position and stuff, and we can get the most out of a player quicker than we could by just the eyeball test. And I think that's the part of it that I enjoy because. You know, rather than having a guy spin his wheels trying to figure out what he is in the minor leagues for a couple of years, right away we can figure out if he's a sinker baller, curveball guy, slider guy, you know, rising fastball. You know, we can figure out what he is earlier and then try to maximize what he is. And then if he does blossom and go, you know, sky high, that's great. If not, you know, we can, you know, it's sad to say, but we can weed those guys out that aren't going to make it. And sure. then we have to keep building and building and building. But I think it gives us a chance to figure out what a guy is, what his weapons are, are earlier and quicker so we can uh, fine-tune things and get him where he needs to be. Who are some of the, the guys that have really caught your attention? I know there's probably a laundry list of guys, but who are some of the players or pitchers in particular that have caught your attention? Well, I mean, there's um, everybody's heard of a few of them. I mean, um, you know, there's Jake Woodford. Uh, there is, uh, Johan Oviedo, which is one of your favorites. Ryan Hillsley is one of your favorites. Uh, Cody Whitley is a young man that, uh, is starting to open up side, open up some eyes as a reliever. Um, and you know what, we, we're starting to build some, uh, some position players. I mainly work with pitching. Um, trying to think, you know, we still got the guys that are, they're on the borderline. We got the Gombers who's still trying to get over this hump of an injury. We got him coming. Uh, now we've got Zach Thompson. We got another guy, the young kid that we got from Tampa for Tommy. Yeah, Libertor. Right now, for, for uh, yeah, Libertor. Who'd we get him for? Oh, for Jose Martinez. Right, right. Uh, so now we've got some lefties in the mix, too, which I, in my mind, those two aren't very far away. Once we can fine-tune a few things. Um, I've only seen them pitch in spring training this year. At limited so uh you know it's gonna be a lot of fun we do have some arms coming we got some younger kids down in uh, the low lower levels and uh, but yeah it's it's one of those things you know you, you kind of go in waves we got a good group up there right now of younger kids 
and then you try to fill the gap for a few years so you can get a couple more to come up there and so on and so on. And I think we're in good shape. Looking forward to getting this thing going again. I'm not for sure when, but I think it's sooner than later now. We're getting closer. And just hope everybody stays healthy. That's the only thing I'm worried about right now. Izzy, there's no doubt about it. You had Tommy John three different times, and you came back. Jordan Hicks is coming back from Tommy John. And depending on when the season starts and when it gets going, he could play a vital role uh, with the club. In, in coming back from Tommy John, what, what do you tell a guy like Jordan Hicks, and what, what is he experiencing right now? Because he's only a few months away when he could potentially be on the mound. Well, I mean, I think he's throwing off the mound probably by now, just, you know, getting that, they call it that vulgar stress of throwing it down the hill, like being on the mound. And um, the main thing is, is just following the protocol that the doctors and the physical therapists are out there. Uh, you're not really, when you do the time you have to drill the holes in the bones to run that new ligament or tendon through, kind of like a figure eight. And you're really mainly letting the bone heal more than anything. And, um, you feel good really quick and you just have to be careful. And like I said, follow the protocol. And when my mindset was when they told me that I was good to go, that's all I needed to hear. They, and then I went as hard as I could, as long as I could. And I do believe that Jordan's going to be that guy. We've talked a couple of times. He's talking about throwing 110 and <laughs> I just, I just want him to be able to throw 94 down the zone and, uh, Knowing Jordan, he's going to try to throw uh, super hard, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But in my mind, he's young, he's really strong, and he's going to come back and be even better. And but in Tommy John, the last thing that usually comes is that feel, that that pinpoint accuracy feel, and it may take him a year or two to get back to being top notch. But with him being his age and uh, strength, he's going to be just fine. And my final question, uh, MLB Network was doing kind of an Albert day, and one of the games that was on there was watching you hugging Albert in 2004. You guys are headed to Boston to play in the World Series. Do you talk to Albert still? You guys still fairly close? And if so, um, what are some of those conversations like? Yeah, you know, my when I got um, – uh, when I signed with the Cardinals, when I came into the locker room, I had that first locker – well, I had that first locker next to the door – and Albert was right next to me. And Albert was that kind of guy where he didn't want to talk a lot. He, he was always working, doing his thing. And he was always getting frustrated with people wanting him. And I said, listen, Albert, I said, I don't know you that well, but, you know, if, if you weren't good, nobody would want to talk to you. I said, you don't see a lot of people come over here talking to me. They all want you because <laughs> you're the best. And I don't know if that helped him or not, but, you know, it's it's he gets pulled from every direction, especially now he's just – Every single day, he's racking up another milestone, and we got to watch him in St. Louis for 11 years of the best baseball I think we've ever seen, like, you know, our generation, and, but yeah, we talk, we text, we texted yesterday, and um, he sent me a picture, I was pitching against the Cubs, and he said, oh, look at this, the good old days, and we talked back and forth, and I told him, I was like, it's pretty cool that MLB is doing a full day for you, but, you know, they need more than one day to, <laughs> to uh to show everything that you've done in this game and uh, just made sure he was safe. He's out in California with the family. Everybody's doing good. And I just told him we got to get together for dinner or for a round of golf or something like that soon. And um, hopefully after the season, when he gets back to St. Louis area, uh, we can do that. 
Izzy, great catching up with you. I certainly appreciate your time. Best to you and your family. Stay safe, and uh, we'll get that red jacket on opening day soon enough, my man. Yeah, we'll see you soon. I appreciate everything, and uh, anytime, I'll talk to you soon. You got it. That's Jason Isringhausen on 101 ESPN. Colin Surrey is our producer today. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Cardinals broadcaster. This is 101 ESPN. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation with Cardinals Hall of Famer Jason Isringhausen. We're going to visit, hopefully, with Paul DeYoung, the Cardinals shortstop tomorrow. A reminder, Hubber Radio's deserving deliveries, saying thank you to those helping care for our community. Today's very deserving delivery is going to the great folks working at St. Clair Hospital. Their awesome staff will be enjoying 100 meals today delivered by Sauce on the Side. Those meals are courtesy of Hubbard St. Louis and our good friends at Plaza Tire Service. And our continued gratitude to all those great folks working in our medical community on the front lines from our station and the entire Hubbard St. Louis radio family. So one of the things I'm trying to do is rip through as many texts as I possibly can and also uh, the Rhino Shield Mic drop. The text line, of course, 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. And if I don't even get to your text today, uh, I will try to get to it tomorrow or even a mic drop as well. But uh, I try to rip through these as quickly as I can to get as many answers out there as I can in limited time. So I'll start with this, and this is uh, from the 314. Michael Jordan's agent, David Falk, revolutionized the way we look at athletes earning a power through endorsements. Do you think the same thing can be done with baseball players? I've thought a lot about that, and it's a great question because right now the face of baseball should be Mike Trout, but yet how much do you really see of Mike Trout? Now, part of that is that baseball players are playing every day. So where is the time that is allotted for endorsements, uh, the commercials, and a lot of these commercial shoots can be all-day shoots, two-day shoots, maybe three-day shoots. It needs to be done in the offseason or in spring training. But once a guy gets down to spring training, he's getting to the ballpark. Some of them, like Matt Carpenter or Yadier Molina, are getting there at 5.30, 6 in the morning, and they're taking early BP. They're going to work out. They'll play a game, and by that time, it's time to go home. However, I do think there needs to be a concerted effort by MLB to try and promote their stars. When you look at the NBA, they've done a fabulous job, starting with Michael Jordan in many ways, and Larry Bird, and Magic Johnson, then to the next generation, and now LeBron James. LeBron James is the voice of their league. You don't see that with Mike Trout. Mike Trout may say a few things that catch your attention. If LeBron says things, the league changes, and that's the difference in the two. From the 618 on the Air Comfort Service text line, Dan, enjoyed your visit with Izzy. Is Jordan Hicks going to be the closer this year? Well, let's let's think about this. Let's first get to baseball. But if and when we have it, that is in July, let's just say, for argument's sake, July 1st, July 4th, whatever the reports are, if there's going to be baseball. And there's been some you know, negative reports out there saying that we're a long ways away. There's others that say guys are going to have to crank it up and get going, and the target date is early July. The Cardinals were hoping to get Jordan Hicks back in late July. Now, if he comes back, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you insert him as the closer. I mean, go back to even like a guy like Matt Morris who had Tommy John surgery. Remember when he first came back, I was doing the game in Arizona. It was in the late 1990s, and they were using him in the bullpen. And the idea was you have to build up arm strength just before 
you go into what would be a, a normal role, quote-unquote, for that particular pitcher. So in Matt Morris's case, he was in the bullpen, built up a little arm strength, got some innings in, then the following season was inserted into the rotation. From the Cardinals' perspective, I think that Jordan is so – by the way, he's in unbelievable condition. I mean, when you see him, you'll say, that's a different-looking guy from the last time I saw him. He's going to want, as Izzy said, he's going to want to throw hard. He does throw hard. And I think the Cardinals are going to have to kind of keep the training wheels on him and really monitor uh, what the short term is before they think about the future of the long term. Make sure he's all right. Ease him back into that role if indeed we play before you just say, well, automatically, that's the closer of the St. Louis Cardinals. From the 314, Dan Levin, the show, which is your favorite uh, sport to call outside of baseball? I would, I would have to say college basketball. Uh, I love doing the slew games. The slew games have been a lot of fun for me and kind of re-energized my love for, for college basketball. And back in the day uh, when I was working at ESPN, I was doing, you know, top 10 games. It, it would be a Villanova against a Syracuse or Rick Pitino's Louisville Cardinal uh, going against uh, one of the top teams in the country. And there's nothing like being in an energized, packed stadium with college kids going nuts with something on the line and uh, by the way, I also love it in the fact it's done in two hours. Not to say I'm a guy that complains about the length of a baseball game, and you'll never hear me complain about it ever again, but uh, you got two hours. It's action. It's some of the best athletes in the country. Uh, college basketball would be there. I'd also say when Mizzou was in their heyday in football, and I got a chance to do some of their games on a national level with Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin, and, and those type of players, they were so much fun to watch because of what their energy brought to a stadium uh, and what they were bringing to the state, the national relevance to Mizzou. So those were the, the games that I really enjoyed. But college basketball is something that I love, and I'm hoping that we get it again this fall. From the 618 on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, do you think this pandemic will bring about permanent changes in the game of baseball? And it's a good question. I, I do. Um, Ricky Horton brought up a good point. He, he said sometimes you can have too much change when we talked to him the other day, and it'll turn off fans. And while I agree with that to an extent, I think we're at a point that we would just love to see baseball, no matter how it is presented. It doesn't matter. We just want to see sports on our TVs, hopefully be able to go to the ballpark and see it. The, the idea that uh, I've seen floated out, number of them, would be doubleheaders that are seven innings. The DH is implemented league-wide, so that means it's coming to the National League. Tenth uh, inning of an extra inning game, you've got the winning run starting at second base. Uh, the electronic strike zone, while it's not perfect, I think it's coming. I don't think it'll come this year, but I do think it'll be a part of the game uh, moving forward. One of the changes I was really looking forward to this year was that when there was instant replay and they would go to the headset and talk to New York, they would actually explain that to the crowd. And I thought that was a missed opportunity for baseball on a number of levels. For those in the ballpark, for those watching on television, for those broadcasting the game, I had a personal vested interest in seeing what they were talking about because you could have certain plays that, all right, I'm going to challenge this, and if it happens, then the other team could challenge the situation and how it unfolded. So I do think that these changes are coming. You know the commissioner wants to do it. I think the number one thing that you'll see is the DH in the National League, and we may have seen the last, maybe the last ever, 
of uh, non-DH games in Major League Baseball. And that means jobs for players, and that's another reason why I think it's coming. And a final question on the text line. Again, the text line, the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. If I don't get to it today, I'll try to get to it tomorrow or on Friday. If Major League Baseball plans to start their season July 1st, how soon do we start seeing organized training for ball clubs? Well, it was an interesting article last night, uh, if you missed it, from Ken Rosenthal saying that the idea would be to start hopefully in early July, but that's just a date to give guys an idea to kind of train, have it in the back of their mind, be ready if and when that phone call comes. I I don't think that you would see a six-week spring training. That would be my gut, and that's unfortunate because that means that pitchers would not be built up. They would not be ready to go. The starters, they, they would have to go probably in their first couple of starts in regular season play, three to five innings. So what does that mean? You better expand your roster. You have to expand it. So if you're only going to three to four weeks spring training, that's not the normal six weeks. And guys have been told, hey, be in like January shape right now. So they would need those six weeks to be built up in regular season play. And if that comes, uh, I think early on in the season, you would only see Uh, guys going three, four, five innings, and that means probably a good six weeks into the season, four to six weeks before they're fully built up, and that means it's uh, going to be roster expansion. You're going to have to have more pitchers on your roster, and I think overall you're going to have to have more players on your roster because if you're trying to squeeze a lot of games into a condensed amount of time, you can't count on Paul DeYoung, Colton Wong, everyday players being out there for every single game with a shortened spring when they're not quite ready. I think you're going to see uh, the expansion of rosters, which is very, very important to the sport uh, moving forward. Coming up, we will cross it over with Rivs and BK. This is Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1053 here in St. Louis. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Scoops at Danny Mac. We're here every day at 10 a.m. on 101 ESPN, taking you to Rivs and BK. We're having an interesting conversation off the air about anxiety in sports. You know, if you're, it doesn't matter because we're saying, well, you, you were into baseball and you're into hockey and BK's into everything. So we're all experts in everything we want to talk about. But yet the common denominator, in my opinion, is when you get to high-level sports, it's how do you deal with anxiety? How do you handle it? How do you process that as a pro athlete? And to me, that's what makes the elite elite because the difference in physical abilities, yeah, there's some, clearly, but how do you stick around for five or ten years? How do you deal with the pressure? And that, to me, is the biggest thing about professional sports or high-level college sports, high-level high school. How do you deal with the pressure to be elite? Yeah, look, there's a lot that goes into it, and kind of what we talked about is you have a couple of tiers of anxiety there, and I mean, tier one, tier two, tier three. Like you're all your your greatest player, like say a Brad Hull. For let's bring him up. The anxiety to score goals for him and to be the best every year. Did he have anxiety with that? You think? I guarantee it. You know, he's an easygoing guy, and this front of you know, hey, I just freewheeling. I, I don't fun. care. But let Brad Hull go five games without a goal. I'm telling you, he has stress and anxiety and, you know, he wants to perform and there comes, whether it's anxiety or even if you're just fueling your, your ego or how proud you are as an individual, like if you, if you're Brett Hull and you stop scoring for four or five games, now all of a sudden you're like, whoa, like now the anxiety is going up. I got to put one in the back of the net here. You're fixing your sticks. You're taping your stick differently. You're doing whatever. 
Um, you know, and then also to be said to the fourth liner or the six, seven defenseman on the roster, your anxiety is through the roof because you have one bad shift, one bad period, one bad game, and you feel like you could be gone. Yeah. Either healthy scratched or sent down or traded or whatever the case. So there's anxiety throughout the entire roster from the top of the, the pile to the bottom of the pile. There's always something you're dealing with. BK, wasn't that awesome? All the, the different Cardinals yesterday on the station talking about dunk and then just talking about the game in general. It kind of brought you back to a sense of normalcy. We were talking a little baseball, a little sports. Didn't you think that? It was amazing. Uh, Ryan Ludwig was on with us yesterday and he, I, I'm trying to bring the listener kind of behind the scenes a little bit. I texted him Tuesday night, I guess it would have been, or Monday night, uh, going into the show. And I was like, hey, man, would you be interested in coming on with, with us to talk about dunk? And he said, dude. I would absolutely love to. I miss that guy so much. And the way that the guys were talking about Dunk, it's not every guy in the clubhouse that they talk about that way. It's really not. I, I know our listeners sometimes feel like everybody's all hunky-dory in the in the locker room at all times. It's not the case. There are some guys that aren't as beloved as him. But Dunk had a way about him that just brought everybody together. His laugh, his smile, those were the two things that we heard I think every single guy that came on the station yesterday mentioned something about that and how he brought joy to their lives. And that's that's something we should all strive for, frankly, is what Dunk was able to bring to a room. We should all hope to be that. Looking forward to the show. What do you guys got coming up? So, Dan, we are going to be joined by you coming up at 1130. We're oh, looking yeah. forward to I that. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Chris Kerber is going to join us coming up at noon. And there's another sports <laughs> documentary that is going to be even bigger in St. Louis than this Jordan doc, and it's coming out this summer. So we'll get summer into that coming up at 1115. Is that what you're talking about, Summer 98? That might be something about that. I was asked to be a part of it. Really? Yeah. I did not do it. How come? Uh, I didn't feel right about it. I didn't feel right about it. I, I just, I love Mark McGuire. I love him as a person. I have a very good uh, friendship with him. And, um, but I, I just, I struggle with the whole thing still. And I just didn't want to be a part of it. So I didn't. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about it. It Absolutely. is. Uh, hey, Colin, great job. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Come on, you're, you're, be ready, man. You got to make the same move. Hey, hey, Let's you, go. you Let's just go. told me how you needed some instrumental beds. You know, yeah. we're trying to bring up the production value Come of on, the baby. show. And <laughs> here I get called out for Colin, doing my job. The joys of you live got radio. sleeping, Colin. So it's okay. It's I had to be right. reminded to be on their show. I'm reminding you to wake up, and it's Ribs and BK coming up on 101 ESPN.